Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Bang! He stares in the eyes of the man who despises him. Welcome to Flight 3D. This is your captain speaking. We ask that you please note the emergency exits and safety signs in the event our journey becomes just too deep. Can't put a basketball down. He leaves tall super niggas in a single bound. Super niggas ain't got no degrees. He ain't got no time for that. Street corner crack houses project his natural habitat. Super niggas got super strength, speed, and agility. So it's understandable when the cops beat him down to the best of their ability. Super niggas has no supervision. Instead, he has super it's between 17 and 25 super inches used to satisfy them super with a clone little black girl who won't die but fight with a clone little black girls who supplement stamina for endless struggles to write with a clone little black girls like Asada, Sonia, Tubman knowing what they know with a clone little black girls like Nikki, Zora, Mommy, Grandma who orchestrates training nobody got more than us. Aspiring artists sing saliva in their palms, producing hits, making noise with their fists. Lanky limbros and afros break beats and pop lock on dance floors. Let me talk to you for a second. Hello. This is Industry Mondays, the business of spoken word. Alrighty, and um, we're just here. We're going to just do today a replay of an old show. So we're going to take a moment as we listen to some spoken word, and then we're going to come up and re-upload the show that um, featured Abyss. Um, If there are any poets out there, the number is 646-716-7994. If you like to spit, now is the time. You know, it's an open mic at the moment. And we're going to do a replay of the show with Abyss. The number again is 646-716-7994. Give us a call. And, you know, share the mic. So next we are going to go to... Okay, we're going to hit Evangelist, and this is Lamar Anthony Hill from his album, Blackmail. My mother is an evangelist, 
And I'm convinced that she won't be content until my voice is in a pulpit. I said, my mother is an evangelist. And you'd be hard-pressed to find a more fervent servant. She is fire-baptized, and I've watched men find God through her eyes. I said, my mother is an evangelist. Every Sunday, she leads souls to Christ. But I tell her, Ma, I'm a poet. Every night I lead souls into the light. I go where your preacher would not dare. Y'all mistaking these words for poems. These ain't poems. These are prayers. This is how I talk to God. And y'all just happen to be here. These are all my fears and aspirations. Wrapped in the swatting clothes. And packed in a tomb for three days. And the spirit moves the writer's block out of the way. And resurrects the words I need to say. And they ascend off of the page. Well, hundreds of people bear witness. So that Generations from now will still be able to appreciate it and I can still hear my mother praying for my soul. Hoping that one day I would hear clearly and find my way back to the ministry and it's hard for her to understand because she's almost as stubborn as I am that I ain't out here chasing a dream. I didn't choose poetry. Poetry chose me. I liberate souls every time I write a poem and I bring down the walls of Jericho every time I perform and I don't wait for them to come to me. I go where they live at. I mean, even God is a poet. You need only read the 23rd Psalm to understand that. How ridiculous must a writer be to say? Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou rod and thy staff on my pen and my pad, they comfort me. That's why I get love no matter where I go in this country. I used to contemplate suicide at least three times a week before poetry, and I don't tell you that to get your sympathy. I tell you that because I know at least three people in the audience are going through it with me. But who would have known? Who would have known that my own words could deliver me? Who would have known that I could get closer to God with every metaphor and simile. Who would have known that something as beautiful as a poem could harness so much of God's pure energy and I ain't nobody. I'm just a ghetto bastard from an unforgiving northeast city but with this pen and with this pad and with this mic I'm larger than life. I fight the good fight so when I'm dead and gone you can bury my ashes in the same tomb where they buried Lazarus cause a hundred years from now some young poet is gonna be thumbing through the CDs and his great grandmother's addict and he gonna raise me from the dead. I said my mother is an evangelist. Every Sunday she leads souls to Christ but I tell her slow and deliberate so that she will never forget that I am a poet and I'm following the will of God and I'm far closer to him at this very moment than I can ever be in a pulpit. Like every other kid in the hood like Last time this boy cried He woke up one morning Realized he was a fatherless child Daddy never there Showed him no love Learned to emulate thugs Bust slugs with the intent to kill Ran these streets Hide in the cable bill Paranoid cause these streets Are stressing him His model Ain't nobody getting the best of him Round these parts Drug wars make the guns spark 
Triggers ain't got no heart. Women are hoes, kids are the way God. That's just the word in the Bible. They pray for death on their rivals. Out here, nobody cares. You can smell genocide in the air from the corners. Some kids gave birth to crackheads and chickenheads. They were misled by some fathers old heads. They know the cop reek, work up the reekers. They went to war with the dreads. Better off dead is what this old lady said. She spoke truth to power. This darkest hour, they closed his casket at 19. Rest in peace, t-shirts, laced his whole team. His mother crying, dressed in black. Search the church, front the back. Even on this day, a daddy lacks. You're a self-exiled monarch from your castle and home. Making you a king without a throne. Making your son a prince without a crown. Look at him now. He lived and died a fatherless child. And this must be supported karma. Like Sonia Sanchez being my father's baby mama. So you see my dad, thank you for me. But give me this gift indirectly. Top five, dead alive, wordsmith, and hip-hop, R&B, or poetry. So you think you'll outright me, forget it. And you can take that to heart like God said it. Maybe when I'm going to give me credit. But right now, I'm that boy you want that boy. I'm like Langston Hughes on steroids. Elijah was shot, my little girl, little boy. Better father than my daddy ever was. And poetry was a drug every day. I'd be taking it in the head and blowing the flag. And seeping out my soul through you. Sit next to me, might catch a contact. But I wish poetry was a female. So I could dive in face first. Put my mouth where she did first. Grab my hair, slap on the backside, and ask her whose poetry is this. She say it's yours, daddy. And nine months later, she'll make me happy. Give me two miracles. I mean one wordplay to other lyrical. Just so I can walk up to people and say, did you see my lyrical wordplay? Never had a daddy, but I always had poetry. So I gotta thank God for giving me this literary style. And maybe this makes us even. For me growing up, a fatherless child. Oh, now, no verb. 
allowing verbiage to fertilize our soulless so he has no inspiration to see our work. Clean hands be no work so he can't fertilize our earth. Angry wounds and broken hearts are what's left. No wonder we birth gods of destruction and death. And yet we can say that we can blame the men, but the responsibility of guarding us starts with self. Thank you. I'm sorry, they're throwing me off. But the responsibility of us starts with self. You are your own gatekeeper. Stop leaving the doors open to heaven expecting someone else to take care of it. Love yourself. Love your health. And this ease has more than just to do with STDs. It has to do when your spirit bleeds. Because you've allowed an energy that has leaked into your soul carrying disrespect disregard and it's uncontrolled. Why give a weak man such a stronghold on your ability to produce? And if you think that nigga's no good, guess what? You no good too. <laughs> so what should we do? So what should we do? We should stop living in the lie and daily walk in the truth. See, we are queens, goddesses, beautiful in spirit. Our blackness is our connection to this earth, the universe, and the sun, which is why we glow when we end it. Live in the Isis spirit. One king for your queen, one God for your heaven. Stop letting jokers in. You have a football field. Stop letting brothers play with you. If that nigga spit one thing and live another, guess what? He gaming you. But no different from the slave master speech that seems so sweet. And saving you, but because he looks like you, it's cool. And everybody plays the fool sometimes. But I wish one time would do. But y'all know how we do. We be like, girl, he ain't do got a job. Maybe do or don't live with his mama, and he fine too. I get it, sis. Or will he take care of you? Provide your needs, take care of your feet. Does that nigga love you enough to put on the condom, or does he have raw expectation with ease? Does he get into heaven without lifetime admission and no feet? Keep giving heaven away like penny candy, and you find yourself pennies away from love and happiness, praying for God to set you free. It's kind of hard for him to do that, and you want to hold the key. That's that face.
Heavy on the rugula, talk with prosciutto. Everything's mainstream and dark Me, I actually read your fine out. But that's just on the mental though. So when I say hey, y'all say yo. Master Griot Radio, channel 13 on your NBBTA internet radio dial. I'm Jacqueline Taylor Adams, and I am your host for this moment in time. It's time for purpose-driven words, shaping thoughts, building minds, true wealth, communities, and legacies. If my words had wings, they'd fly to you each day. When it's raining hard outside, can your roof still keep out the leaks inside? If it's time for a new roof, get your roofing installed the right way with Sears. Call Sears for a free in-home consultation at 1-877-938-1414. You can save $500 if you call right now. Sears licensed fully insured contractors can get your roofing job done right. Sears has a variety of shingles and styles that are built for long-lasting performance. And you'll save $500 if you call now. So for roofing done right, call Sears for a free in-home consultation at 1-877-938-1414. Hurry, offer ends soon. Not available in all states. Installation provided by Sears authorized licensed contractors. License information available upon request. That's Sears Roofing. Call right now and save $500. Call 1-877-938-1414. That's 1-877-938-1414. Sears. Love Talk Radio. This is Master Griot Radio, channel 13 on your NBBTA internet radio dial. I'm Jacqueline Taylor Adams, and I am your host for this moment in time. It's time for purpose-driven words, 
Shaping Thoughts, Building Minds, True Wealth, Communities, and Legacies. If my words had wings, they'd fly to you each day. Welcome. Welcome to Deep. Welcome to the political, the socio-political satire of HBO deaf poet Tommy Bottoms and Darian Duchon. This is Master Grill Radio, and we are celebrating National Poetry Month each Monday during the month of April, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, and 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. This is, um, we're just celebrating poetry, and this week we're going to just check out the political and social satire of Tommy Bottoms and Darian Duchon. These two brothers are extreme intellectuals as well as funny. They're just straight funny. They bring it deep. They bring it to the mind. And we're just going to sit down and ask them about life, politics, pimping, poetry, about gangsterism and everything. They have something to say on each subject. So right now we are going to... We're going to check out a little um, Pimpin' and Poetry by um, Tommy Bottoms. And then we're going to come back and bring our guests on. All right? So, we're going to bring this up right now. (laughs) And I'm Jacqueline Taylor Adams, everyone. I am your host for this moment in time. And we are just grateful to have these two brothers in the house on the line. And we're just going to listen to a little pimping and poetry. And also, too, if anybody's in the house right now, we can open up the show with a cipher. So if you're interested, hit up a 10-minute cipher. Say, fuck you, Tommy. Say, fuck you, Tommy. Say, fuck you, Tommy. Say, fuck you, Tommy. Now I'm just one metaphor away from shocking the world. So I'm going to kill Uncle Sam and have Lady Liberty chicken for me in front of a liquor store. And then the very next day I'll be on the front page of the USA Today with the headlines that say, Bottoms cleared of all charges. The murder was ruled justified and sometimes you got to let a hoe be a hoe. Now I done traveled a long road but I still got a long way to go and my life is like a highway with many forks in the road but I'm prepared to go toe to toe with my destiny. I know I blazed over mics but you still haven't seen the best of me and I hope you're not standing next to me when I decide to blow the spot up. Cause see this verbal srap, little crack of Adam's apple so some of this shit I'm about to say will be hard to swallow. But I'm going to still give it to you full throttle while I'm clutching a Heineken bottle. See, I put my heart into this art. If this poetry game was an ocean, then I would be a shark. And pretty soon it won't be safe to come to these open mic spot after dark.
Okay, we're going to bring our callers back on the line. If you guys are listening in, they just had called in. Uh, I'm sorry, I was muted out. I was trying to bring the callers in on the line. We have Tommy back. Darian, if you're out there, okay, they're back on the line. Hold on. Hi, Tommy. Yep. Okay, cool. Hello? Yes. All righty, hold on. on. Okay. Okay. Is this Darian? Yes, it is. Hey, how are you? How are you? I apologize. I apologize. No worries. No worries. I'm good. I'm real good. Real good. Okay, okay. So we want to welcome you here to Master Griot Radio. And, Thank you for um, having me. Thank you for having me. Right. I appreciate it. Okay. All righty. So if each of you brothers can take a minute and introduce yourself. Let's start with Darian. Uh, let's begin. Um... So I'm Darian Deshaun. Uh, I'm primarily uh, an actor. I found uh, I, I kind of got into the spoken word scene uh, um, within the last maybe uh, four, four or five years. I'd always kind of been very interested uh, spoken word um, when I went down uh, when I was uh, at NYU, and from there I was uh, I was a frequent. Uh, Visitor of the New Yorican Poets Cafe, which is always kind of uh, enthralled by the poets and stuff down there, and um, but kind of had never really thought that you know that I'd ever kind of uh, be doing that at some point. Um, but then, um, as kind of you know the years went on, uh, and particularly, um, which is what actually is what we're going to be talking about uh, tonight, which is great. Um, particularly. Uh, it was right around the time when uh a certain president had uh, had gotten reelected where I was feeling like I needed to uh somehow uh speak out and kind of be uh a bit more involved. I was just really uh kind of frustrated with where where our country was going. Um and so from there, um that was kind of the uh fuel that kinda of got me um reading some of my stuff. And so, yeah, so basically uh, Bush made me a poet. So thank you, uh, George <laughs> W. Bush. All right, all right. And Tommy Bottoms, could you please take a moment and introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Tommy Bottoms. Um, I'm out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia, originally from Indiana. Uh, been a full-time artist now for about the last seven years or so. Uh, did a few HBO appearances, BET appearances. I've uh, had the opportunity to travel all over the country, you know, performing and talking to kids and, you know, performing at universities and stuff like that. So just grinding it out, uh, wrote, written a few articles, newsletters, things like that, you know, probably talk, primarily talk about politics and social things like that, you know. It had a little gangster element to it, but. Overall, I enjoyed the whole experience. You know what I'm saying? Just it's, it's been definitely a roller coaster, but uh, wouldn't change the moment of it. Okay, so I guess my next question. Well, first, do do you guys know each other as artists? No, I, I don't think we ever met. Uh, actually, before the I, I I looked my man up on the uh, on the you know you got a Google folk now. That's the new thing. That's funny. I I, I, did, <laughs> I did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at you, my man. Okay, that's what's up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what's up. All you gotta do, all you gotta do is Google somebody, and then boom. Yeah, exactly. If you're not, if you're not on Google, then you're kind of like, ah, oh, I don't know. Yeah. If this, yeah. You know, <laughs> 
Okay, well, then that's good. That's good. Bring you guys together. We got New York and ATL in the house. And right. um, and, and Darian is a phenomenal poet. I first encountered you on Famecast. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I think. That's what yeah. I That, that uh, was the, the thing I clicked on that I seen. Yeah. The short, the short, the number one gangster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they cut out poetry. <laughs> the short lived Famecast was spoken word, indeed. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I had, I had, uh, right, I had Number One Gangster up there. For, for people who don't know what num- the Number One Gangster was, that was a, a piece I did on my, my favorite person, uh, again, George W. Bush. Um, and basically the way that, that starts is uh, I, I basically started out, and I'm talking about, you know, I'm, I'm the dopest gangster, and it's not really until the latter end of the poem that you figure out that, that I'm talking about Bush. Um and again, I was just kind of uh, looking at this ideal of uh, of the gangsterization of uh, uh, of American government. Um, and Tommy talks about that a lot too, in, in a lot of his his pieces as well. Um, just about the, the hustle and, and 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 basically what the nature of uh, of capitalism is. <clears throat> okay, so then we'll just start out with that topic. That'll be our first topic: gangsterism okay. in the United States and beyond. So, Mr. Bottoms, what do you have to say about it? About gangsterism? I mean, uh, <laughs> I guess that's a pretty big subject, you know what I'm saying? I'm assuming you're talking from, like, a political point of view, I guess, but I'm probably a little, uh, you know, a little more um, untrustworthy everyone, you know what I'm saying? I, don't, I know my man talking about boys, but I think they all crooked, you know what I'm saying? I don't... I don't I don't think any one is any better than the other one, whether they're Republican or Democrat, whether it's Bush or Barack, you know what I'm saying? They're all politicians, and they all have an agenda, you know what I'm saying? So I don't necessarily be like, oh, yeah, this cat's got it in for me. They all they all got an agenda. They all look out for each other. You know? <laughs> they all they all come out of the same couple of schools, you know what I'm saying? Yale, Harvard, you know, those kind of things. And so I don't, I don't, I don't really look at it like it's all gangster stuff to me, you know what I'm saying? And the people at the bottom got to uh, deal with the, you know what I'm saying? If you look at, like, the little housing crisis and, and, the, and the collapse of the stock market and stuff like that, everybody had their hand out. Everybody was being gangster and as far as being greedy, you know what I'm saying, from the top mm-hmm. to the bottom. But at the end of the day, the people at the top, you know what I'm saying, ain't going to be in the soup line, though, you know what I'm saying, when it's all said and done. When the bottom fall out, you know, they still got a couple hundred million that they sitting on, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's that's the only difference, you know what I'm saying, is is is, is the is the level of access you have. You know what I'm saying? It's kinda of more like access politics or access access uh capitalism, you know what I'm saying? We all capitalists, you know, we all trying to get it on some some level. You know what I mean? You know, I think a lot of me and my mates had this conversation about, you know, uh his thing was having uh, what you call a uh, Compassionate capitalism. I said that's an oxymoron. There's no such thing. You know what I'm saying? Every mm-hmm. at some level or another, greed always gonna come into it. You know what I'm saying? And that's just that's just the nature of the beast. You know what I'm saying? It's just a matter of where you come in at it. You know what level you come in at it. You know what I'm saying? Let me let me let me ask you this: Do you believe in uh, an ideal of moderate capitalism as opposed to extreme capitalism? Is that an oxymoron? I don't think I don't think I don't think that I don't think I think it's you know what I'm saying it's all it's 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 never it's kind of like uh, 
it's 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 just like looking like like for example, people look at like okay, people sell dope, right? And you see a guy, he gets so much money, and they be like, why didn't you just stop? You know what I'm saying? You stacked a hundred thousand dollars or or a million dollars, two million dollars. They'd be like, man, you got all that money, why didn't you stop? What's the incentive to stop though? And that that's where there's no such thing as moderate capitalism because there is no incentive to stop. You know what I'm saying? If you if you make a million, why not a hundred million? Because the same the same energy it takes to make a million, you it takes the same amount of energy to make a hundred million. You don't exert any more energy. You know what I'm saying? It's just a matter of how hard you want to go, and 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 you know what I'm saying. But there is no incentive to stop. You know what, what I'm saying? People always go ahead. What if the incentive is your 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 conscience? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, but it's, but but, no but I'm just but yeah. I'm just but but. It, you more than likely you're not going to amass anything if that's what you'll make. If you're a capitalist, you know what I mean. That then your motivation is to make money. You know, when a corporation, the only goal like corporations are just you know people look up they're just faceless, uh, hum, you know not human beings but faceless people in the sense of their number one goal is to make profit. So if that means that the you know they they got to pay workers less like for example you know the 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 wage gap between you know in 1973 the average CEO only made uh, 30 times as much as uh, the the person that worked at the bottom. By the time it started hitting the 80s and the 90s, they made they were making 300 times as much. You know what I'm saying? Because the nature of the beast is to increase your profits, make the shareholders and you know happy and you know what I'm saying. So yeah, I mean they're, they're, you know slavery was based on the same thing. A lot of people get caught up with the idea that slavery was a uh, you know the, the, the two different things. Slavery was a social system and it's also economic system. Slavery is the rawest form of capitalism. You know what I'm saying? But it's really you can never really abolish it. You can only really abolish the social system of it. But ca- slavery as an economic system has always existed, will always exist as long as you have capitalism. You know what I'm saying? If you're working for $4.25 an hour or whatever, I don't even know what minimum wage is no more, whatever it is, $7, $8, whatever it is, that's no different than being a slave because a slave gets, the, a slave got minimum wage. You know what I'm saying? We got to think that they, got, they didn't get anything, but they did. They got a roof over their head. They got just enough to eat. They got a few clothes on their back. And that's what you get with minimum wage. You get just enough to survive. You know, there's no such thing as free labor, only cheap labor. You know what I'm saying? So as long as you have capitalism, you know, you always have slavery. Then you can get into the social aspects of, you know, the race and and class and things like that. Those are, that's a two separate things. But slavery and you know, from an is is at the heart of it, it's an economic institution. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that you know, that's that's the you know, that's the heart of it all, right there. Well, I have a statement to make. Mm-hmm. regarding capitalism. One, the truth is there's no true earning interest on money. Only so much money is printed. So if you print a hundred dollars and somebody and you earn interest on your money and you, you make fifty and you earn interest on it, it has to be short and somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So well, that, well we do live in a fiat currency system, which means that the money is only really worth the paper is printed on which is why people, a lot of people, like, you know, a lot of Muslim nations, they don't believe in interest. You know what I'm saying? They don't believe in the idea of loaning money for interest. 
But like the system that we we live in, like a lot of people look at Barack as the savior, the things that he's doing, all this all this stimulus package thing is getting ready to throw the country into a world spin. You know what I'm saying? Because they're printing this money out of thin air. There's nothing to back it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? This they just put they just pumped in they just pumping in double the currency that's out there, and that just all it does is create inflation. So now, by the next another in the next couple of years, your same dollar is gonna have less the spending power. You know what I'm saying? And everything else is gonna be that much more to pay for. You know what I'm saying? That's why if you look at like um, Zimbabwe right now is the is the uh, is the poster child for hyperinflation. You know what I'm saying? Like you know they they. Like uh, uh, they actually have a fifty million dollar bill, you know what I'm saying? And a fifty million dollar bill gets you a loaf of bread. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's you know that's inflation. And that's what there was times there was times even in this country where you know or not in, in, in uh during like World War uh like around World War Two, you know you might have to have a wheelbarrow full of money. You know what I'm saying? Because that's inflation. Where you you know what I'm saying? A lot of people just think inflation is just spending, you know, uh, prices going up. And that is part of it, but really what it is is that it's how much your how much the uh your dollar is you know, the the, the you know, the, the amount of money that's actually in the system that you know what I'm saying as far as the demand for the, the currency. So if you have a lot of money out there and with little demand, you have a high inflation. You know what I'm saying? Then you also have with deflation, like back during Christmas, right, in this last year when they was, everybody was slashing prices. You know what I'm saying? So they can get everybody in the store. That was deflation. Because you could go in and get that same $400 dress for $200 now. You know what I'm saying? Because, and that's why a lot of them retail companies was folding. Because they wasn't making any money. You know what I'm saying? But just pumping all this money into the economy and borrowing all this money from China, China eventually, I go, they're going to eventually say this money's not worth anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to take no, I'm not going to buy any more of your treasury bills anymore. Because your money's not worth anything. You Americans don't pay your bills, you know what I'm saying? And pretty soon, this, I'm gonna tell you, another two or three years, man, it's gonna be people. This, this love affair with Obama gonna be over with. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be over with. And, you know, everybody love him now, but another, give it another two or three years, everybody gonna be like, they gonna turn their back on this dude. You know what I'm saying? Because the things he's doing right now is off the, you know. He, I'm not, and I'm not gonna make the judgment whether he's doing it on purpose or if he's got some bigger agenda, things like that. But I'm just saying, when you pump all that extra money into the economy and, it, and there's nothing, they're printing it out of thin air. You know what I'm saying? That, that money's not back. Money hasn't been backed by anything like gold or silver, anything for the last thirty years. You know what I'm saying? So it's only worth the value that we put on it. It's only worth a hundred dollars because we say it's worth a hundred dollars. Right. You know what I'm it's so really only worth. My question is this: uh, Again, so I, obviously, one, I'm, I'm I, I am a, a Obama supporter, and I do have uh, some hope that we can um, hopefully get out of this mess. Um, but I definitely, um, and I'm, I'm understanding where uh, some other people are coming from. Uh, but my, my question to you is, um, in regards to just the financial meltdown and the financial crisis of where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, if the stimulus money isn't the solution, then what is the solution? The solution? let just the whole thing kind the, of the, fall apart? Exactly, exactly. That is the solution. You have to, it has to start over. You know what I'm saying? Because really what happened for the, because this is essentially what we're doing. 
the the reason that the the economy has collapsed is for the last twenty twenty years, thirty years, they told Americans to borrow money that they couldn't afford to pay back. You know what I'm saying? The reason the housing market collapsed is because people bought houses they couldn't afford. You know what I'm saying? They people go out getting credit cards and running getting forty, fifty thousand dollars a credit of stuff they knew they would never be able to pay back. Well, that money has to come from somewhere. So for what's been happening is for the last 30 years, who do you think has been flipping the bill for all that money that we couldn't afford to pay? That money got to come from somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if you sell CDs or not, right? Let's say let's say I got a credit, you got a credit card machine, right? You're out in the street, you do you perform, you're selling your CDs, right? You take, you go out, you got a credit card machine, somebody buys a thousand, ten thousand, let's say a ten thousand dollars worth of CDs off of you, right? Now you got a little piece of thing that says, okay, I got ten thousand dollars. You take that ten thousand dollars and you go buy this, you go buy that, you go, you know, you pay, you, you go to the, you go to the, you go to the mall, you buy some clothes, and then people at the mall, they take that money you just paid, they paying their employees, the employees take that money, they go buy stuff they need to buy, you know, for their household, whatever they're going to do. But if I don't pay that ten thousand dollar credit card bill that I for your CDs, where did the money come from? You know what I'm saying? And that's what we're dealing with. All this thing, the bottom has fell out. Is the, the check, the bill is due. You know what I'm saying? So really, what we, you know what I'm saying? Like so, right now, what we're doing is they telling, what if I, if you was a, you know, so basically, what if I was a, a credit counselor and I told you, oh, to get you back in shape, you know what I'm saying? You know, I know you're in a lot of debt. So yo, uh, to get you out of debt, uh, the answer is to go get more debt. You'll be like, man, are you crazy? And that's what we're doing right now. You know what I'm saying? What do you think all this three hundred billion is coming from? This four hundred billion here, fifty billion there, one hundred seventy-five. They're borrowing it from China. They're borrowing it from Saudi Arabia at interest. So next year, these next couple of years, they're gonna be paying forty, fifty billion dollars a year in interest alone. You know what I'm saying? But who you think is, who's going to be paying for that? We don't have the money for that. And the only way they're going to get it is to tax the people. And who's going to, and what politician is going to run on the idea of I'm going to raise y'all taxes? You know what I'm well, saying? Well, I think, no. though, I, uh, by, by that same token, though, it's like what politician is going to kind of just lay over and let it all. Exactly. That's, that's, the, whole point, that's the whole point of it. That's the politics of it. Exactly. No politician will do that. <laughs> and that's the whole point of it. But that is the only answer. But what politician is going to do that? None of them. You know what I'm saying? Because they all of them run on a populist message of, you know, I'm for the people. And no, none of these politicians are for the people. They're for the people who get them in office. You know what I'm saying? And there's no way they're going to sit there and be like, hey, the only thing we can do is throw our hands up. They have to, quote, unquote, do something. And that's the only, but the answer is, you know, America has to suffer for a little bit because we've been drunk on our credit for the last 30 years, drunk on buying and overspending, living way beyond our means. And the only way the only way you're going to get through it is to let the, the market going to reset itself. You know what I'm saying? It'll eventually correct itself. But there will be a downtime. It just has to bottom out. You know what I'm saying? And that's the only answer. But well, no politician is he- ever going to say that. Right. Well, I mean, so according, you know, if if that's true, then you're right. Then it's inevitable, and and we will suffer, and that and that that will be what it's going to be. You know, um, I'm hoping that it don't come to that though. But see, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest thing going, the biggest gangster thing going on right now is that the president can't do anything about the economy. 
You know what I'm saying? They, they can't hurt the economy and they cannot help the economy. But they'll take credit for it and they'll blame the other guy for it. Bush has nothing. The president, the 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 Fed chairman, the people who set the set the interest rates, the people who control, say how much money is going to get pumped in the system or not get pumped. In, people like uh, Bernanke and and uh, Alan Greenspan. You know, he was the Fed chairman for about thirty years, whatever it was. Those people control the economy. The president is just a figurehead that has to create the confidence because you know it all has to work on the idea of confidence. Of people believing in the system because we're working with a fiat system. People have to have confidence in the system, and that's what the president is there for. But the, actually, the president can't do anything. You know what I'm saying? That you know, Bush, uh, people think Brock isn't doing nothing, but what Bush started in the sense of when he hired Harry Paul, Paul, Henry Paulson to be the the, tre, the, secret, uh, the Treasury Secretary, first thing he came in and said, "Okay, we got to give all these banks some bread," and he was from one of these cats. He was one from the one. He was a Wall Street cat. You know what I'm saying? Just like how they all acted like they was all surprised when AIG was getting getting uh getting the thing, getting their uh bonuses. You don't think they knew that? They all knew that. But they never thought it was gonna be a media storm on it, so they was all like, Oh, this is an outrage. They knew it. They they all got kicked, they all got donation campaign contributions from the AIG and all these companies. You know what I'm saying? It's all is you know what I'm saying, I guess the whole point we talking about the gangster the gangsterism is the fact that we, you know what I'm saying? These cats play this game, and they and they put on a show for us on TV, and we sit back and you know we choose sides between like it's WWF, you know what I mean? Okay. Oh my man, you know my man, my man is Bush. Oh you know, and they all act like they hate each other, you know what I'm saying? They get on TV and be like, oh yeah, you know this guy, he don't, he does, he's not for the American people, he's not patriotic, he's gonna do this, and they all do all this stuff posturing on TV. And you know what they do when they get the cameras go off? They go out to lunch with each other. You know what I'm saying? They go, their kids go to the same school. You know what I'm saying? They 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 go to the same gyms. They they hang out with each other. These guys aren't enemies. They're all part of. They all just choose the sides. You know what I'm saying? It's like whether you like Michigan State or North Carolina. They all just ball players. At the end of the day, these cats don't hate each other. You know what I mean? They ain't enemies. But that's the gangster of it. The fact that we sit back and choose sides like oh. Bush did this. Bush did that. Bush ain't doing nothing but what is all presidents do was good for preserving the nation, and they just figureheads to keep this thing going. You know what I'm saying? All righty, we just we're gonna take a break from that, and that was just we played like 28 minutes of an old show, which was called "Deep: The Social Political Satire of Tommy Bottoms and Darian Deshaun," and that was done in April of 2009. Just to let you know, um, it's weird. You thought that was a conversation that was just had yesterday. Um, we have a caller from the 832. We're gonna bring him on. Caller from the 832. Hello, how you doing? Hi, Max. Yes. How are you, sir? How are you? I'm okay. All right. So what would you like to share? I know we've been talking in the chat room. Uh, uh I was listening to the brother that was just speaking. Um, he was making a lot of sense, you know, um, I have six seconds, right? Hello? Hmm? Okay. Uh, 
I am a a writer of three books. And um I just wanna uh I like to speak for uh for people, you know, with mental disabilities. And um I've been writing for a very long time. And um I don't believe in medicine, you know. I don't. Uh, I'm not for med- for medication. And this is my this is my aspect of it. Uh, it 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 has a major a major effect on people. And. Uh, Hello? Hello? Yes, I'm here. I'm sorry. I just muted out because it was some background noise. I'm here. Okay. For those people who are... Who are... um, Take meditation, just um, keep keep doing what you love to do, and um, and everything will be alright. Okay. So, do you want to tell us your books? Where we can purchase them at? I can put it in the chat rooms. Are they available online at all? Yeah, you can go to exclusives.com. www.exclusives.com. Okay, you said www. What? Exclusives.com. X L I B R I S. Okay. All right. And the name of the book? The first book is called Smiling Through the Pain. Smiling? Through the Pain. Okay, and Smiling Through the Pain, all right. And the second book is called The Other Side. And the third book... Uh, in the process of getting typed up right now is called Poor and Successful. Poor and Successful. Okay. And what's your name again? Larry Smith, the third. Okay. And then that, um, that third book, um, 
I went particularly in in the mind, like speaking, you know, um, basically, um, what you put in the mind is what you get out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad I tuned into this show. up another piece of poetry um okay about 30 more minutes we're gonna hit up another piece of poetry and um two more pieces and maybe we'll have enough time for max to call in if his phone charges but until um and, you know until then we do want to give maximus parses um a shout out love you max um you know, love your heart. You know, Max just wants us to know, you know, there are three things that we need now. We need to really focus and, you know, realize what's going on around us, you know. Um, we're being enslaved. Um, and, you know, there's some serious things we need to actually look at. I know we don't really want to deal with it, but... There's some serious things going on around us, and before we know it, we'll be being carted off on buses. People will be coming out of our neighborhoods and never coming back. Martial law has already been implemented. Our property will be taken. We will be shuffled off to places. So um, we're being killed, hunted, and enslaved right now, and our children are even targets. So we just need to be mindful of what's actually going on around us. And if ever was a time for us to come together, be strategic, and start teaching our own children and policing our own selves and, you know, stop begging the government to do everything for us. Because they'll do for us, but, you know, it's always going to be in their interest at the end, you know. You know, stop trying to make them do the right thing. Anyone's going to do what's in interest for themselves. So, you know, it's time for us to do the right thing. We can homeschool. You can go online and, and, and formally educate your children. And if you can't do it by yourself, hey, if, you know, few people get together. Like five, six women can get together and homeschool a group of children. Somebody's good at arts and crafts. Somebody may be better at math. Somebody may be better at other things. But, you know, we pull together in groups. We can get some things done. And it's time for our men to step up and, you know, police our own neighborhoods, police ourselves, you know. Just, you know, be willing. You know, I mean, hey, at any given moment, wherever we live, whether it's Philly or South Carolina, we can walk out this door and be shot and killed at any given moment. So we have no control over when we are going to die. So, you know, what's the deal? Tell a brother, you know, you see a brother acting out, a female acting out, tell him to do the right thing. You don't have to be mean. They cuss you out. Oh, well. You know, nobody can take your time. Our, our time is designated. No one can take it. So, you know, to that vein, let's just go ahead and um, just go ahead and just let... um. 
you know, teach our own, police our own, stop being afraid of our own neighborhoods, stop being afraid of each other, you know, and just, you know, keep it simple and to ourselves. Just go ahead and do what we need to do. But I'm going to play Move the Crowd by Mrs. Betty Sun, and then we're going to go into Middle Passage by Tracy Lynn. Maybe by then, Max, phone will be charged. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Before I bring out your feature, hold up. I, I need everybody's attention real quick. Up top, up top, up top, too, look. I know y'all, y'all, y'all getting nice at the bar, y'all bellies are full, and I appreciate that energy because we need that love in here, but real quick. My man got something to say. He want to take the stage, but I need I need y'all to um I need all eyes up here. I I need I need focus. And I mean, if y'all could please, and I mean, take the cafeteria lunchroom school shit and um break it down to a church sermon like just for for five minutes. My man got something he want to say to y'all. Hey Shice, come on man. Hope you can uh calm him down. How can I move the crowd? It's a question I ask myself every day, new week beginning, the world still spinning in a social decline. Got so many thoughts on my mind, can't wait to get to the venue and share some issues. Not rob and realize nobody cares about the poet's tears, ideas, hope, aspirations, and fears. See, he came for the ladies and she came for the drinks. And my mind starts to sink into a situation of deep dread, thoughts pounding in my head. When I'm called to the stage and I breathe, read excerpts from the book of my life. Stand on stage and I turn the page and I realize I'm talking to a crowd of closed minds and dead eyes. Just one to share the art, but the words get sacrificed upon the cross, cause my sisters are dealing with her own pain, another broken relationship thought that man would be the one, and street violence took somebody else's son, and as a daughter home pregnant at 14 in the hood, got a way of crushing all our dreams, got a father upstate, a mother with a drug habit, you just can't shake it, I want to speak to the crowd about the African child soldier in the Congo with the AKs, but right here, we got juvenile gangsters stuck in their ways, you can give it to me, and I put it all in my book of poems to make a burnt offering to the mantle, cause if life is in shambles, trust me, ain't nothing you can't handle, but oh my God, it's hard. But tonight, we're going to turn this open mic into the afterlife. Here and now, it's heaven on earth, and it's going to get beautiful like a black baby's bird. Can't grip walk when I talk, get low when I spit fire. Spoken word, good deacon, need you to hum along with the choir. This is street light salvation, up ye mighty nation, off the plantation. I'm so real, I'm drinking 40 ounces of liquid freedom while weak minds work the field, and African blood still spills from the masses bullwhip. But he going to have to slow down, I'll carry a full clip. How could I move the crowd? It's a sign on the door, no niggas allowed. I only came to build with the gods, head to the sky. Shice is your big brother, you can call on me. A Satan on your back, trust me. I'm knocking out all bullies, the devil ain't got nothing for me. I'm more powerful than a Negro spiritual. African legacy just rolls off my tongue like drums. Poetic rhythms of hip hop, break beats when I speak to the gods. Peace.
white man still on my breast. Third one looks like he's up next. Girl to my left starts to rhyme next. Surrounded by pain and water on all sides. Speak my language, no one responds. Might beat the odds if I jump in the tide. Been this cold. We the only ones who ain't wearing clothes. They trade me as if I'm gold. What happens next, I can't explain. All I know is I'll never be the same. They touch me like I was 18. Sleep in a shack and work like a horse. Sun beat my back, he whips me more. Pulls down his pants and closes the door. In a shack and work like a horse Son beat my back, he whips me more Pulls down his pants and closes the door Eight, nine, ten and I just stop counting Becomes a routine to hear my shouting Spends more time hitting with his spousing Nothing to lose, everything to gain Childbirth, child soul, feel numb to pain I miss Africans, don't remember my name And it gets strategic and feel weird. Can you do your best? 
You know, sometimes you can't wake up everybody Or sometimes you don't see all who you're waking up So don't stop sharing Don't stop speaking Because the people you're speaking to They may not necessarily be the ones listening But that means your voice carries beyond those people Yeah, it's, uh, well, overwhelmed I reached that, I don't know, years ago I've been overwhelmed for a long time (laughs) That doesn't stop me from functioning as I should And and you're right, there are those few out there who do care Who are concerned and are willing to to make some changes in their life To try to make a difference to everyone around them And to reach those few is very important Well, you know who, I'm going to tell you You'd be surprised Um, I've been following young people lately to honesty, they can be the ones that are more open. <laughs> oh, trust me, I know. I'm there with you. I'm following the same groups. And like, it's a group that I follow. They do radio shows and all, but they're between the ages of 14 and 17, and, and they're, they're dynamic. They're in different fields, from social, from national social activists to fashionista, but they have the same mindsets, and they're extremely capable. You know, now I'll admit all of them have supportive parents and a supportive, you know, system around them. But why I feel they are so important is because I just saw this poster. We don't need to tell our children what to think. We need to teach them how to think. I agree. And and I think that's the biggest biggest thing we lost over two generations is the ability to think. I don't think that was a mistake. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a mistake. If you put take us back in slavery time, though we had less, our ability to think and problem solve was way gr- much greater than yeah, it is now. Yeah, we had to think under duress at those times, and we're doing it now. We have to think under duress now for those that are aware of circumstances. And i got to give credit to the parents of those children. Because, you know, we do a lot of poetry and activism, uh, people our age, uh, you know, and stuff like that. That's wonderful. But probably the best thing we could possibly do is to teach our own children. Yeah. It's, it's to teach and teach our children and those willing to listen. But my biggest, you know, my my, my one feat is to do things to teach them how to think. So people, um, like this one guy said, you know, I don't know, he went off for me because I posted something about Sojourner, an actual play, you know, I, I, we have a theater company, so I posted about the play Sojourner, and I used a headline before Barack Obama, Hip Hop, and Harriet Tubman, there was Sojourner Truth. So he wanted to get on this whole political spiel, how dare I compare Barack Obama to freedom fighters and hip hop to it, and hip hop is just a Jew. I'm like, yo, dude, first of all, it's not about all of that. It was a statement to just simply explain that Sojourner Truth was a phenomenon that most people don't understand. They don't understand her impact and her presence on more than just her to sojourn for the truth, more than just freedom, women, rights, um, American history, period. You know, if you wanted to know that if there was an instigator to get, an agitator to get the Civil War going, mm. quiet as kept, sojourn the truth was the one. She knew, how, knew, uh-huh, <laughs> she knew how to get something started. She literally, she went from between presidents, she went from the South to, to get things started because her goal was to end slavery. So she did all she could do to make it happen. 
But that statement wasn't about what I felt about Barack Obama or hip-hop. And then I told him, he said, well, that's why you do spoken word. That's why you promote spoken word. I said, no, I promote spoken word, you know, because I like it. I like the art form, and I feel it helps build optimal thinking frames. But I also promote conscious hip-hop, you know. Um, I can Yeah, you know, so. And I I promote anything conscious. You know, my thing is that we need to surround ourselves with, you know, know, strategic thoughts, strategic thinking. We need to, you know, just, you know, infuse ourselves and our young people. I got a young group that does a show called State of Urgency, the National Action Network Youth Move Report. These are young people. The girl's 14 years old, and she also writes for one of the big blogs. And um, she is like, you know, I don't know how you adults don't do this, don't do that. She's like, on it. The show's called State of Urgency. <laughs> and I, like I have them, Yeah. And, <laughs> and I have them do a good music review. And hopefully some of the parents weren't upset. But, I mean, I even... I I play, you know, various spoken word or hip-hop, but things that, you know, they're, you know, they're not corny, but they have put certain thoughts and mindsets so that they can have a choice as to what's playing on mainstream radio. These types and, of music and stuff like that open the mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Art has always been the initiator for all kinds of change. When you were speaking of the American Revolution earlier, and you know, in those days, the book by Thomas Paine, "Common Sense," was used to uh, start the uh, revolution. It was mm-hmm. distributed. Six hundred thousand copies was spread out amongst three million people in the country that time, and that was what was used to change their mindset. A piece of art, and and it's being done on a positive and negative end right now. So it's up to us. We have to stop begging. Like, you know, my goal with the Master Grill Project to make spoken word a viable industry, my goal is never to compete with mainstream. I don't even want to compete with mainstream. You know what? I, you know, I want to stay under the radar as long as we can and get done as much as we can. Mainstream so by the time we hit the radar, we've built up a nation. That's it. Mainstream is dead. We predicted, like, seven years ago, that internet radio would eventually become uh, so easy to access that you would get it into the new cars, and it's there now, so people can listen mm-hmm. to your show in their in their car as they're riding along, and, and giving people the option to be able to find what it is they want to hear rather than being force-fed what you mm-hmm. think they should hear is is definitely a popular feature that people are taking advantage of. Yeah, and that's what they you know they're trying to fight with mainstream. I'm not trying to fight for mainstream. I'm not trying to make. Trying to make people do what's not in their best interest. I understand capitalism and business all day long. It's not in their best interest for the things that we're trying to get the government and get these corporations and all to do. Like Tommy said, a corporation goal is just to make profit. If you're presenting something that is not profitable, then why are they going to work against their own best interest? So we need to learn how to work in our own best interest. That's the thing about it. We can try to convince, tell other people what they should be doing for us about, but what about what we should be doing for ourselves? Um, I would look at something like Black Wall Street as an example of what we can do for ourselves. 
you know, uh, mm-hmm. given the opportunity, we can create something better. We just have to find an opportunity. And we're really being oppressed at this stage, so it's hard to even find that chance. They don't want anything that doesn't fit into their mold to seep into this system. And uh, that's exactly can. what happened with Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. That's why it got burned down, because it was so successful. They were afraid that they would eventually take over, and they would have. The thing about it, we don't even have to create another Wall Street. We just need to support each other, and, and that's the only thing. Because, you know, really our money's not worth anything. The next big money that's going to hit the market is um, Iranian money, and you can actually go buy it online. Somebody just gave me that tip. Like $25 worth of their money, you would get 100000 of their um, denomination. And within a year, that will be the global currency. Iranian money? Mm-hmm. And um, I had to look it back up. They took me to the website. I will share that. But, you know, we, we, we you know, just need to get locked, you know, unlock ourselves from the mindset of just what's here. You know, everybody's working on a global, you know, you know station and status. Um <clears throat> Our money's not backed by anything. Their money is backed by gold, and they, they right now they have the strongest money, and they're going to be the center for currency. So you know, behooves us now. You know, so what if you throw away twenty five, thirty dollars in purchasing something, or you do it a few times? You know, we waste money all the time, but we need to start like stop being skeptical of certain things and being wide open to other things. I mean, just by the mere fact that we keep let people come in and buy up our gold, I was like, and nobody was curious. I mean, why are they coming asking us to sell gold well, and buy gold? Do you do you not think that means that gold is of value? Why would you sell? The moment they said that, I didn't think twice about gold till they said it, and I said, you know, get my gold. Because if you come around here asking me for gold, they have conventions and things. They come to big hotels and get everybody to bring their gold. I'm like, they trying to hoard a heck? No, they trying to hoard all the gold. <laughs> you know, um, for those that are listening now or later on that don't know me, there's three things that define me. I'm a militant, uh, I'm an extremist, and I'm a reductionist. Those three things really tell you all there is to know about me. Um, and you said earlier that we are getting to the point now where they're going to start picking us up in buses and and taking us out to unnamed locations where we're never going to be seen again. At this point, I don't think our fight is even for wealth anymore. Our fight is for survival. Uh, It is really getting nasty in the field right now. Police are killing people on public television, and they don't care anything about it. They're not being held accountable. Their bosses aren't being held accountable. Their bosses' bosses aren't being held accountable. The Justice Department is openly selling guns to criminals where their own agents are getting killed. They're being held in a contempt of court. Uh, Mississippi recently in the news because uh, it was found out that they were farming off children to private prisons for profit. And as we know, the same Mm -hmm. thing happened with judges in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So for me, it's not really about trying to get any wealth and put it aside, it's about trying to put water aside and food aside that might last for two or three weeks. Or, but that, uh, could, that could be the wealth, and the, that, you know, that's going to be the wealth and currency at a time. But what I'm saying is like just certain things, like when they come and say, hey, we'll buy all your gold, the dollar's not really worth anything. We, we have to start rethinking. 
you know, why sell what you have for a dollar that doesn't have any value anyway? You know, if you we know, make it another we, five years, we won't even have a dollar. It will all be a cashless society. Yeah. So that's the, you know that's what I'm saying. So don't you know give up give up the things that are tradable that you could do something with. And gold has value all across the across the board. And, and get rid of those things that don't have value. Indeed. And do start stockpiling and, and, and finding. We have bombs and shelters, and you know those things do exist even in the city, in the middle of the city. Find out where's your closest bomb shelter. You'd be surprised. It's probably some <laughs> a neighborhood thing. They say, well, that's what this is supposed to be for, but we don't never really. And um, and there's so many people in the communities that are doing survival training, and we think those people as extremists, but they're, you know, we all need to take survival courses. We need to, you know, listen up. What, you know, the worst thing that can happen to us, we learn how to survive. When we know if nothing else, there's, all, there's a good chance a natural disaster is going to come our way. So it's, um, it just behooves us. And I said it honestly years ago. I was saying we needed to come up with our own form of communication, and I don't even mean. You know, internet and computer Because that can be taken down and controlled at any time I mean, we need to Like you said, our own underground railroad And our own coded language Again, we need to Yeah, and I've meant that in every sense of the word Uh, Just like Angela Davis said We do need, right now A 21st century abolitionist movement We do need an underground railroad We do need Mm -hmm. a place to call safe That we can go to You know, and we do need outside support because our oppressor is our very own government, and we can't expect our oppressor to hear our pleas to them for leniency. They've never given it to us before, so we have to look outside now. Just like Malcolm said, we have to look to the international uh, courts in order to get some kind of justice. Yes, that's the truth. And we just have to start being mindful, and we have to start teaching these things. And that's the good thing about art and poetry. And I, and I tell people like you and people like Brothers Keepers, and, and I know you guys always are angry and upset, and you should be, but at the same time, you have such a wealth of knowledge, and you have the ability to communicate it in a way that's non-confrontational, and it just seeps in. And, <laughs> I don't know and, if that's and, me. <laughs> I am Anything but non-confrontational. I'm like the wrestler no, I'm poetry, just saying that man. In your the guy poetry, that when he beats you know, people up. In your poetry and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. I mean, your poetry is confrontational, but see, that's the thing about it. That's the expectation of it. The expectation of the poetry is to be, you know, confrontational and all. But the point is, is you know, to be the one that's giving real strategy and that's not, not the one that's blowing up hot air. Yeah, I, because I I'm the person like there. I hear it and Unless I share it. Yeah, I, I hear <laughs> it. I share it. And these people and people t- actually young, they're people taking it in. And so you know, when that's your gift, and something oh, yeah, about the rhythm and all that. of that that allows stuff to fl- you know flow through. There are, people, again, that's our coded language. 
I've right now they're not paying attention to our poetry. <laughs> they, some are hearing it. I've had kids come to me, well, not kids, but adults have come to me and told me they've been listening to me all their life. So I know that to some degree I'm influencing people's lives and their thought patterns. So I, I keep myself mindful of that and try not to screw yeah. up any lies on purpose. Well, you don't do, but I'm just saying if, you know, sometimes you want to do so much and get so much done, but sometimes you're getting so much thing that you don't know because you're raising up the person that can do what you couldn't do. Inspiring you don't the know next that person. You may have never saw, you may never see them, you may not even know that they're sitting there watching you or they picked up your CD somewhere. They could be following you on the Internet. And this is not no, you know, like I think, like the young lady, Mary Pat, that does the show State of Urgency, I connected with her because I was interviewing a teen author who she used to follow. So she followed the teen author. You know, they, you know, those young people are fans of one another. She followed the teen author that I was interviewing, and by the way, I got to know her. So I did the one interview with the teen author, and now Mary Pet has a show. She does a blog on Global Grind, and she just turned 14 this year. Wow. I mean, and she does things like, you know, Nicki Minaj, Shame on You. <laughs> she busted down um, when the rapper in, in I think it was Source Magazine, and, and they showed the video of the guy, the rapper, that was telling the young guys, and his work was aimed toward middle school boys about how to stick their fingers up and do all of this kind of things to girls. And, you know, she went right after the editor and asked for the editor to be removed. I mean, she she's out there. She she takes it to the heart, to the extreme. And there are young people that follow and it's just they're just she's in Atlanta, there's a strong group of them in New York and then there are, you know, pockets of them throughout the country. So and and, and on this show we do a positive music review. So, you know, this is what I'm saying. You would be surprised who may have heard you, who might hear you. And um, so just, I just say that to, you know, you know your life is purposed. And, you know, perfectionists, you know, you, you're not getting done all you want to get done and you're not, you don't feel everyone's hearing you who should hear you. But um, you have a purpose. And it's not after you die to discover all your work. <laughs> yeah, I understand. People are I listening understand. to you right now. Uh, these days, I'm, I'm actually kind of in a weird place. I, I kind of feel like I've already fulfilled my purpose. So I've got nothing to lose now. Everything I do is gravy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and that's my mind state. Like, you know, there's really nothing I've got to lose anymore. You know, it's all gravy now. I, I think that whatever purpose God had me serve is already done, and now he's allowing me to do what I want to do. And what mm-hmm. I want to do is raise some hell. <laughs> I mean, uh, I would love to see a worldwide riot. It's the only way we're going to make any kind of change. We just have to get up in arms and say, we have had enough. You're not killing no more of my babies. You're not enslaving or putting in the prison no more of my children, my husbands, my wives, my daughters, my sons. We are people with lives, and we have value. And we refuse to accept this as tolerable anymore. 
that's that's what I'm hoping to see. Mm-hmm. Well, we gotta get you on as many radio shows as possible, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you I'm know, serious, you know. I mean, that's they take advantage of internet and satellite radio. This is global. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely down. Uh, by raising some hell, that's I'm all for it. Like I said before, a lot of people look at me as like the poet wrestler. You know, I I come out and they cheer me on while I'm beating up the opponent. That's that's what I do. I have no problems with taking it to the biggest foes. I don't care who you are, from the president to the pope, it doesn't matter to me. You all put your pants on just like I do. Yeah. And then your boy had your boy on. He came on because you saw Tommy's name, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I thought Tommy was actually on. I hadn't heard that one, man. Tommy's one of my yeah. favorite people in the world. One of the brightest guys I know. I don't necessarily oh, always agree with him, but he is definitely insanely he's intelligent. He's a genius. Tommy is a genius. And yeah. he he's a genius. And, you know... He doesn't use all his powers for good. So, you know, Tommy's a um, perpetual pessimist. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know him well. He is a perpetual <laughs> pessimist. <laughs> but he he's definitely worth listening to and definitely worth respecting. And, I, you know, we haven't even seen an inkling of Tommy's brilliance. You know, you know, you may hear things, but he totally threw the other poet in that interview. That's why I said it takes an interesting turn. They didn't even get a chance to do poetry. The other poet was so thrown off by what Tommy said, and he threw him off so bad that, like he like he threw off his whole life purpose at the moment. He just really threw him. You can't have a conversation with Tommy Bottoms and not be <laughs> equipped for the job. You just can't do it. <laughs> you know, I've been on the road with Tommy quite a few times. You know, we've spent times in hotels all night long just conversating. So, yeah, if, if you're not equipped for the job, you shouldn't even be conversating with that brother because he'll mess your whole mind up in two minutes. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's Tommy's biggest. Um, People totally mistake him. His levels of brilliance and his, you take his levels of brilliance with his, I don't give a heck. <laughs> that it started off playing his, his piece, F you, Tommy, F you, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the calling card that we use when he comes on stage. Okay. Yes, yes. You know, my mom was like, what? I was like, it's okay. Happy late <laughs> Comes birthday to Philly day. Like way. I know people be like me, and it's a horror we be in the stands. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> his birthday was like a week or so ago too. So okay. happy late birthday, Tommy. Yeah. What's he like nine hundred now? <laughs> <laughs> he acts like it, and he's not that, but he yep, acts he's, like it. He's got an old soul. He's got the. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's had wisdom passed down to him that he didn't have to learn. He was born with it, literally. Yeah. Yeah, and and he's literally a genius. I mean, he's an excellent, you know, writer. He's one thing. I he is using more of his talents today than ever. You know, he does his beautiful lie, ugly truth show. I mean, he's really doing a lot of different things, and um, you know, using his talent. You know, he's becoming that political commentator. So, um, and that's him. I mean, I found sports yeah, articles. Tommy says, "Yeah, he's an authority on a lot." I found sporting sports articles. I mean, he's just really, really knowledgeable. 
Yeah, and that's what he scares me when you talk about political analysis and stuff like that. I'm afraid that somebody like Tommy will get swallowed up by uh, the political entities and uh, is, has the potential, because he is a capitalist, self-admittedly so, <laughs> and has the potential to, uh, if they get a hold of him and mold him, to do more harm than good. I mean, they might come up to Tommy and say, look, we're going to give you $2 million a year. We want you to do a show, but here's what we want you to talk about. Tommy will be in a quandary then. He's <laughs> like, hmm, two million a year, and all I got to do is this. <laughs> well, Tommy take the two million and, and find a way to do what he wants. Tommy, Tommy He's got some things that. Well, Tommy got some things that keep him from, you know, just doing whatever. That that kind of goes against his grain. That's his whole thing. Educated gangster, you know. <laughs> You know, he got to, he, he tries to for a moment, and that's why he came up with the, the, you know, his thing where he starts off, they try to take me, try to make me go to rehab, but and I, I said, said no. no, no, no. <laughs> he, he performed that live with us in uh, Providence, Rhode Island at the uh, the Word Warriors tour, man, and the mayor was sitting in the audience. And uh, he he dropped that educated gangsters on him, and it was basically talking about people like that mayor. (laughs) You should have have seen how fast the mayor left out of the room. And it was so funny because the mayor is openly gay, and his boyfriend was there, this big, really uh, heavy black guy with a pink shirt on with a teddy bear on it. That was his his lover, and they're, they're together, so he's already controversial. And then Tommy dropped that educated gangsters, his face turned red, and he left the club. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> Georgia got up after Tommy said, did you see the man running his ass out of here with his boyfriend? <laughs> Tommy, <laughs> you need to stop. <laughs> That's what I tell you, that urge for Tommy will probably keep him from successfully just, you know, unless they just, you know, find that. You know, just some. You know, sometimes that alone, they'll support someone that's just controversial, just for the fact of the controversy, and feel that people won't take them as serious. But well, um, just pay him to tame him. You know what I mean? He could be doing mm-hmm. uh, just for men commercials and shit. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> go but from Tommy being a wants to, You know, I mean, if he has to listen to all his poetry, he feel he can make his money basically on his own. People can pay him to do different things or whatnot, but if yeah, he's Tommy, the immortal technique of poetry. Yeah, yeah. If he wanted, if it, Tommy wanted a record deal, or Tommy could have been had that. Tom, you know, Tommy been had the opportunity. Um, basic economics is I, I am pretty much I can say is the most watched video of HBO Death Poetry Dream. Um, Wall Street Journal, they, if you go online, Freakonomics, Wall Street Journal, they are there trying to decipher the slang vernacular of Tommy Bottoms. I'm literally, you'll find them online. All these ways oh, people I believe trying it. To, I believe it. Especially with trap wire in effect now. Yeah, yeah, trying to decode it and understand because they just can't believe that in three and a half minutes this man sat down and broke down the whole economy system. Made it plain and compared it to drug dealing. And they're not offended by any of it. They're just yeah, they know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> they know what they're yeah. doing. They just want to know uh-huh. how many people actually understand what he said. Yeah. And so, um, believe me, uh, you know, 
Tommy, yeah, you know, Tommy, I'm pretty sure he had all kind, you know, if he didn't get all kind of offers, all kind of people been looking at Tommy. Yeah, yeah, Tommy is the uh, entity all to himself, man. He's a different caliber of uh, poet and person. There's no doubt about that. He's definitely mm-hmm. one of the people that I, I admire, um, which which is also funny because earlier you, when you mentioned Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman, uh, those are actually two of my idols, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I don't have people, any modern-day yeah, idols. Those yeah, are my Yeah, we idols. know more about Harriet Tubman than a lot of times we do Sojourner Truth, but we do a one-woman show about Sojourner Truth and the um, playwright. He just brings up such interesting facts, and he makes her such a personality and character. It is such a good show. And um, and that's why I said that, you know, and, you know, I made that statement because, you know, I was really trying to catch all ages and, and you know, you know, young people or 40-plus and under know hip-hop, you know, and everybody, you know, hip-hop is a phenomenon. So if you know hip-hop, you heard of a black president, you heard of Harriet Tubman, you ain't heard nothing until y'all heard Sojourner Truth, okay? Tell them about it. Tell them about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, just listen to some of her speeches. I think they still have some on audio. Yeah, but just her as a person, personality, she just was, well, you know, like one of these things she said, they came up and, Talked about her and said, "How did she look like a man?" and and was mocking her. She said, "Y'all used to, su- I I I I sucked you with with these things when y'all was a baby. Y'all used to suck on my breast, and now y'all want to come talk to me, say I'm like a man, and no, you don't believe my mo. You know, she opened, she literally opened up her shawl and showed her breast and said, "You want to come up and suck." I know y'all's good Christian people, but I just got mad. <laughs> the one I relate with the most, though, is is Harry Tubman. I, I can't help but relate with her because, you know, just thinking about how she felt when she said that she'd freed hundreds of slaves, she could have freed thousands more if she could have just convinced them that they were slaves. And that's yeah. where I find myself. Yeah, yeah, they're, 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 that's the truth. But Harriet Tubman's idol was Sojourner Truth. Harriet Tubman was younger than Sojourner Truth. Harriet Tubman was a little girl when Sojourner Truth was around, and she used to sit under Sojourner Truth, and she, um, Sojourner Truth was her idol. Well, we need more Sojourner Truths and less Nicki Minaj's. <laughs> that's what we need right now. We need these kids yeah. to be inspired by something real, something worth fighting for, worth living for, worth dying for. And this is the part I don't know. When my neighbor's daughter, my neighbor is a minister, and his daughter wishes Nicki Minaj was her mother. You know, know, that's a mentality I can't even get past. And I can understand, maybe, you know, I can understand if at the age liking Nicki Minaj, her look or whatnot, but to wish Nicki Minaj was your mother, that's just a mentality I can't fathom. I guess compared to the strict upbringing that a pastor or a priest might give their daughter, maybe I can understand her No, I mean, well, yeah, she lives with her father, but actually she lives with her father and mother. They don't live with their mother. So um, they visit their mother on a weekend. So it's not really mother's not strict. That's what I'm saying. You know, they wish that I don't know. 
it just, you know, it just surprises and it shows the depth and the mentality of some of our young people and the impact of what the mainstream is having on them. That is not, you know, super cool. So, um, yeah, but you know that's that's how they do things. That's how they insinuate into the children's mind what they want to do. You know, marketeers have uh, the technology of manipulating children down to a science. So they know exactly what it is to appeal to their nature, to make them want something, or to want to be like someone, and they use that. In, in ways that are designed simply to indoctrinate A and to turn them into consumers B. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely perpetual consumers. Uh, and know, we're the voices that fight against that. You know, people like us. We're the ones that are the the voice of reason every now and then that pops up and goes, "Hey, <laughs> wake the hell up." Warranty is not real. You know what? Sometimes it's just necessary to have an alternative out there. Because while some people, you know, I mean, some people just can't change their minds. But then there are some people that see and, like, say, it got to be more than this. And that's where you you need to have options and alternatives. Uh, you know, because they're looking like, wait a minute, you know, these scenarios aren't fitting. This is not making sense. And then that's where you need to have options and scenarios. And that's where you see these other young people who come out. And say, look, I'm not cool with all the killing. I'm not cool with what they're doing. I'm not cool with what's going on. I'm not accepting this. And they are looking for options, and they're looking for adults to stand up. They, you know, they acknowledge that they can't do everything, and they want adults to stand up. So, I'd like to see people be more honest when it comes to art. To be, you know, in my opinion. Um, oh yeah. You see something that's crap and that really is hurting society more than helping, say so. I mean, you know, just like you would put it on Facebook, put it on their little post that they put up with their their music CD that says, I'm going to kill such and such, and everybody's a hoe and a bee and so on and so forth. Instead of saying, cool, say, this is trash. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your mother would smack you for writing this. What is wrong with you? You know? That, I mean, that is part of mentality what I was saying, even... Like when you go out on the street, I mean, you don't have to be rude and all the people, but you don't have to sit and watch someone do the wrong thing and not say, yo, this is not cool. It doesn't mean that they're going to listen to you. It doesn't mean that they're going to respond. It doesn't mean that they may not cuss you out. But your realm of control over others you don't have, but you have it over yourself. And to me, if you stand and watch it happen, you're just as guilty. Amen. It just Amen. is guilty. And, and if you say, well, I don't want to get hurt, the innocent people are getting shot and killed all day, every day. So proof is in a pudding that you can't stop a bullet no matter what. And don't worry about hurting somebody's feelings. You may be saving somebody's life. Yeah, they worry about their own feelings. I'm kidding. We're off kids cuss you out. I've been cussed out by people on Big Wheel. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know, but I don't care. You know, I see a young girl, an older woman tells her something. She's just, I'm like, no. I was like, whoa, honey, uh-uh, you can't speak with, to her like that. And they can make it whatever. I said, I don't care. Whatever it is, you don't speak to this woman like this. It's not okay. And where's your parent? 
They'll lie. They lie, but it's okay. You know, things come around. I've had them do that on my block, lie. And this girl was so mad, she just wanted to beat up this girl so bad. She didn't know. She actually walked down to my house. I saw her later on in my house trying to start stuff. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you want to do all that? I think I need to call the cops because you, now you in my territory. You know, I was up the street then. And then well, people kid are just said, a okay, sensitive. Yeah, because yeah, she said she didn't even live on our block. This kid said, yes, yeah, she do. She live in this house, this and that. They all told when the cops, they told on her. You know, she wasn't arrested, but they told her, you know, where she lived so they could go to her parents, and she got in trouble because I haven't seen her back down. But that's what I'm saying. Sometimes we just don't understand, and we act like we're so scared, and a lot of times it's what I did. I kept that child probably from getting locked up, for real, for real, because she was so furious. She was going to do go do. No, she was not going to end that day unless she hurt that girl. I don't know what happened with her and the girl, but she was to the point she was this big disrespected this other woman, an older one. She just was. She was out of it. And if I hadn't stopped her, deterred her, and it finally mm-hmm. got back to her mom. Misdirected you know, ire. Yeah, but I mean, be, but because everyone was too scared, you know, the older woman wasn't. But I stepped in because she was way out of line with this older woman, and you know, her temper was there, so I had to stand between her and the older woman. But you know, those are the things you do, and that could have been a way worse situation. Somebody could have been hurt. That girl could have really been in jail. You know, at that point, you know, kids saying where she lived and all, I'm pretty sure they just took her to her parent and she just got told on. And her but, being in um, jail would have been exactly what this system wants. Yeah. Exactly and that would have been the wants. worst thing ever. Then we would have been breeding a criminal. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and so as I'm saying, it, there, and we, I would have been just as responsible if I had just walked by and let her just walk by the situation. You know, that mindset that you're expressing right now translates across the board. You know, I was just uh, having a discussion online today uh, about the police shooting in New York. They've got the full video. Everybody can see what happened. A dozen policemen chasing one black guy with a knife. They run him down, and they shoot him about a dozen times. Mm-hmm. The guy's got a knife. There's 12 of you with police cars, and you all got tasers. But the only way you can solve this problem is by killing this man, which is par for the course for the police these days, you know. And when they went out and got these real big guns, and they said, well, we need it because the guns that they're carrying, they're carrying Tech-9s and all, so we need Tech-9s. Who ever heard of something like that? And now yeah, you got more ridiculous. reasons to pull them, and now you can pull up on anybody. You know, I actually worked at a residential home for boys. And the boys would not even be on a corner. Now, we know you don't stand on a corner. You stand on a corner, now you privy to whatever might happen, and, and that's on you. That's why you I moved to South Carolina from New Jersey, to get rid of yeah. corners. <laughs> yeah, so we know we tell them don't stand on the corners, and and that's from, you know, the cops to, to trouble. You know, it's the corners is, is where it's going to happen first. But these boys were... In the midst, they they several houses on the block. They're in front of their kitchen, sitting down, just talking. And they want to come in and ask them. And we had to come out there talking about what? Well, we wanted to know what these guys were doing. They're sitting on the steps to their building. What do you mean, what are they doing? 
they walked up and wanted in the home. Who who just walks into to a home? Who just walks up in there to fill that? American you know? Police Department does that mm-hmm. today. Nowadays they do that easily, and they will shoot you when they walk in your home with no warrant. And put it on video on YouTube so everybody can see it and say na 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 na. And that's what you were saying about you know about people really remaining silent are accomplices to it. And that's what I was telling this guy that replied, talking to, you know uh, about he was trying to justify the circumstances, saying what if the guy would attack one of the police with a knife? You know, as far as I'm concerned, the guy if? saying he that is an accomplice. He would attack him with a knife. What if? I mean. You know, first of all, he would have to go after them first. No one's saying you should not defend yourself, but if he's running, if cops are running after him just because he has a, my cousin was shot that way, was killed, and, yeah, they got a million dollars from the city, but she lost her 15-year-old son. They said he had a starter pistol, but he was shot in the back. Just like the guy that was shot with handcuffs on him in a police car just recently. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, just. That's how they operate and that's how they function. And it really only affects the minorities, particularly now with this stop and search uh, process that they've got going on in major cities like San Francisco and New York Mm -hmm. and even in London. You know, it's overwhelmingly aimed at minorities. And 90% of the people they stop, the minorities they stop, don't have any kind of criminal record or problem or issue whatsoever, but nonetheless, they still have to endure this day after day. There's an interview I saw on RT with one young brother out in England who said he gets stopped on the average between five and ten times every week. Mm-hmm. But that, that thing used to happen to my husband when he was alive. He had a an account. He did. He was an area manager for a cleaning company, and he had an account out in what's called Exton, Pennsylvania which means, you know, you go past the city limits. And the, it was actually an overnight job, and he would take the guys out there, but they would take the train to um, this stop called Overbrook, and there really was no place to go directly, public transportation going directly out to Exton, so he would pick them up and drop them off in Exton. And when he was in a call with them, they, you know, they got stopped about three or four times a week. And going to the same group of people, going to the same place, doing the same job. It was like par for the course. It used to just, like, burn him up. And, um, but, you know, we know that, you know, blackmail on that side of the county, you know, yeah. it's just like one of and those they- things. Hey, even a half-black president hasn't made a dent in that. It's still the same circumstances, oh, same God. situations. I just saw police release attack dogs on I a think woman it's worse and a child. Because, I mean, the way, you know, I mean, they really started rearing their heads when he came into play, you know, a black man as president. You know, whatever used to be undercover, they they don't they they all above board. They let you know what they think you are, this and that. So it definitely has not stopped any of that. And um, yeah, it hasn't made a dent in it at all. And he, I mean, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about Barack Obama because I I will cause too much problems just even mentioning. But uh, he has not done anything that I've seen or that I've read of that is 
aimed at specifically helping uh, black people in America, the people that need it the most right now, and he hasn't done anything to help them in particular. His whole concept is this one America thing, but there are two Americas, and everybody knows it. Yeah. Well, the one thing, I don't know, I know everybody says he hasn't done anything, but the one thing I know different, and it's happened in our local government when we had a black mayor, not all the time, but when Mayor Good was the mayor, and him, and the one thing you realize by being in business or whatnot, the difference is he gives us access to information that we normally would not have access to. Before those things we would be put out, but if you weren't in the right circle, you would not know that. You wouldn't know that these government contracts, these, you know, opportunities and things were out. Now when they come out, they're immediately in our, you know, media or whatnot, whatever. We get the same notice that everybody else gets. So what happens, more people get the chance to get the opportunity to come at to the table and to benefit. Well, I'm not familiar and with that so, aspect, and I haven't seen it, so I can't uh, comment on it. Well, that's, you know, maybe because I work in nonprofits with federal funding and, and, you know, as a business person with federal funding and grants and things where you, like, you knew certain things because you work with certain, like, if I work with a white nonprofit, there were definitely information that I would know be privy to than if I worked with a, a, a black nonprofit. You wouldn't get all of that. Gotcha. One thing he's in, that access to that same information, same grants, and it's, it's funneled through all pipelines. Now, maybe because of social media, all of that makes it, you know, more transparent, what whatnot, but it's the first time we've, at the same time it happens, had access to it, know about it, and the opportunities to bid quicker. And I know that's not, you know, down on a, a, a little level, but, you know, on every level, but the ability to come to, you know, to actually be at the table because, like, stuff that almost only affects black folks, total white agencies get all the money and then they disseminate it out. And it gets disseminated out to all of their friends and organizations. Like Mm-hmm. And then we, uh, you know, we lucky, you know, they may have one token black organization that can get some of the money. Well, you know what we do with scraps? We make chitlins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? but, you know, they always Turn pick an organization. Delicacy. They always pick an organization when it's like that. They pick an organization that, that's not going to do well with the money. And they know it. Somebody's just basically going to take the money, steal the money. Then they can say, look, we tried to give you all an opportunity. But that hasn't been the case now. Um, if nothing else for them to get it, you know, they have to bring us to the table one way or another. I've even, I've even seen some organizations now are shutting down. And it's not just black, but, you know, some of them, you know, Philly can be good for the good old boys club. And even one of our major award organizations getting ready to shut down, and it's purely because the same five theaters, ever since they've been in existence for 40, 50, 60 years, have gotten all the awards. And at this day of transparency and access and things to the Internet and all, um, they never gave the blacks any and minorities. You can just forget them. 
but even the young white whites, um, like thirty, thirty five, they stop supporting and they're gonna give you our money and no one else gets to come to the table but the same, you know, group. And so now they're literally shutting down because I know they're not being funded. And so in those areas and things, you know, I have seen, you know, um, so the ability to get to the table for businesses to be able to play and to be able to be, especially those that are more than just solopreneurs, the ones that have employees, to be able to employ because you can get some of this funding and grants. Working with the Broadband Initiative, and there are a lot of um, urban. There are more than half of the organizations. I would probably say three quarters of them of them are actually black. And if that had been another era, though most of the population that they're targeting are black or Latinos, that. Um, not nearly as many black and Latino organizations would have even been a part of this. It would have been all white organizations who funneled it out. Well, I'm glad to hear so, that. I don't know if that could be attributed directly to him. Or it could be just an, uh, some underlying well, administration. Well, I think it's his use of, well, I mean, his use of social media and, I, I, I mean, as far as his communication systems, the way he even got, um, you know, got in and all. I think with his use of social media and all of that, um, you know, or even if it's the people you put in place, they make sure those same communication channels are being used to get out information. So that um, that's probably, you know, the one thing. I, I can't I would like say to see much him speak more. out on particular issues, though. I mean, any president, actually, not just him, but any nominee that people are looking for should be speaking out on particular issues that mean a lot to us. One, the private prison industrial complex. Uh, The Mississippi situation is just an example. The Philadelphia or the Pennsylvania situation with the judges are another example. That stuff is slavery uh, with no question about it. And it's indoctrination. It's taking children from schools and putting them directly in prisons on purpose for profit. So you're basically selling children. And and any presidential nom- nominee should be speaking on that issue and should be con- uh, condemning it to no, to no end. You know, certain nations have barred people private coming prisons out, from the, their A lot countries. of people that are even supporting it, they're part of it. Like the 700 Club, they're doing a lot for child trafficking. You know, putting a lot of money, but you know, the only thing I can even talk about that. Well, that's but, something that the president uh, should be speaking of because it falls down to the Justice Department, and that's Eric Holder. That's his oh, boy. Oh yeah, right there. yeah. Oh yeah, they definitely should speak of it, but they're not going to do it in election year because it, it doesn't matter <laughs> how serious don't matter you in are, election years. how good your intent is. Anything you do, anything you say, is all going to get turned around. It's going to be get turned around. It's going to be get turned around into something else. I just, you know, it's like, and and I'm just amazed how people keep feeding into it. Like, y'all know the game. Why do y'all feed into that? And then y'all go put somebody else in, and then y'all going to complain about them. And then at the same time, enough people don't participate in the process, don't take advantage of what is there. And... And then they had this big expectation for everybody to do so much for them. So 
I don't even want to, I'm not going to even get on this soapbox. You know, yeah, my whole thing that. is, is like, I just know when Reagan was in all the laws and different things that he changed that literally oh, he was affected the biggest criminal my of life. All. He was the biggest criminal of all. It actually started with, I would say that most of the root of the evil that we have right now started with Nixon. Uh, Nixon was the first mm-hmm. real presidential criminal that we had. And he was the reason that we had a president who was not elected into office. Uh, his original vice president had to resign before he did, before the president did. And then Ford took over afterwards, and Ford was chosen by Nixon. He wasn't a, you know, part of his electoral process. He was chosen by Nixon afterwards, and Ford became the president. So he was our first non-elected president. And the first thing that Ford did was pardon all those criminals, including Nixon. And ever since then, every president has done the exact same thing. They have done as much dirt as they can possibly do and then pardon everybody at the end of their terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, really I just know, like, with Social Security, yeah, just, just <laughs> so much it's just that they've done. And, you know, so if we think by putting in some kind of Republican president, it's going to be even better. It's not. Well, my political views, well, we as I said earlier, are extreme. And stop accepting, I mean, and stop expecting somebody else to do stuff for us in the first place. Yeah, you, you shouldn't be expecting your oppressor to take care of you. It just doesn't make sense to even ask, you know. No, he's going to take care of himself, take mm-hmm. care of you, whatever's necessary to get you in position to do what he needs you to do. Outside of that, it's just, you know, why? I had a discussion with the campaign manager for the Ron Paul organization about something like this. And at one point, I was seriously considering even supporting uh, Ron Paul. But after my conversation with him, I decided that that was not in our best interest. Basically, his whole scenario was we should trust Ron Paul because he's trying to bring the Constitution back and to adhere to it. But in my ears, basically all I heard was we are just going to take everything you have and give you the opportunity to start all over again. And that's all we ever hear. Take everything we've got, everything we've established, rip it away from us, and then tell us we get a fresh start and we're supposed to be happy for that. And that's just (laughs) not the case. Yeah. Uh, Conservative means to hold on to. And the way this country was built was off the backs of other people. And the Democrats, that's just like moving chairs around on a sinking ship. Yeah, that blows my mind, too, because the Democrats was actually the main force uh, behind keeping slavery in place. The Republicans were actually fighting against slavery to a major degree. They were the abolitionists, and the Democrats were the slave owners. And here we are in 2012 with a complete reversal of fortunes. And you have to wonder, are we really following the right people? Well, I mean, I really think following parties... I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I, nothing will give me to follow the Republican Party because they definitely, they just don't care. They're about the one percent, and then the ones that don't realize that the Republican Party about the one percent, they're just stupid. And that's just the whole, you know, you put the your light against the dark, the overseer against the field, nigga. That's just part of that whole mentality. You know, they don't catch it. And you know, you know I, as far as the Democrats, I, I look at the Democrats as Allowing us The Democrats Now they say I feel it better 
but it gives me the, at least I had the opportunity to breathe, to fight, and, and to the opportunity to make something for myself. I just saw, you know, like when Reagan, the one who came in and took Social Security away, do you know that the, my mom had a husband who died? I cannot get his Social Security until I'm age 59 and a half, and I can't remarry in between. When my husband passed, he had a son, 19 years old, in college who could not, who was too old to get his father Social Security because Reagan changed the law that you couldn't get it after the age of 16. It's, you know, minor stuff you don't think about, but crazy stuff like that that affects you. This stuff has adversely affected our lives, you know. Yeah, and that was just a little piece of what's affecting everybody, even till now. Yeah. <clears throat> I have an idea that I would like to present to you, and just by speaking it into existence, I could potentially be releasing a very dangerous situation or an absolute blessing like none we've ever seen before. But I think that you are potentially one of the people who could bring something like this into fruition in the right way. You're familiar with, the, of course, you're familiar with American Idol, right? And you see all the spinoffs, how everybody's doing it, you know, America's next top model, America's next mm-hmm. poet, blah, 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 blah. Why don't we do something like that for a presidential candidate chosen by the people and for the people? I'm not okay. talking about <clears throat> I'm, I'm not talking about uh, a candidate that's already chosen. I mean where we have a show like that where America votes on who they want to be their next candidate. And we put them okay. through a whole process you know, where test, they ask yeah. questions and stuff like that mm-hmm. and turn it into a, a big, huge event. I mean, we bypass the political parties completely as a people and pick our own candidate. Mm-hmm. And then back and afterwards. Even, yeah, and even if, you know, if it, it gets to the point that we don't actually quote-unquote elect the president, it will make, and, and this is the biggest thing, you have to bring people around and, and make everybody accountable. And that's why we had to make people uncomfortable in the positions that then they can't be comfortable to do business as usual. We're going to have to make them feel that they're going to have to toe a line and be accountable to the people, and they can't just keep doing what they want. And And something like that will definitely make them feel accountable because we will be bringing up issues issues and information that is never discussed or shared with the general public and the people. And when they do that, and even if it's just a show, now they're going to go back, wait a minute, this is this law, this is that, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you? And then, and then, uh, not just information to make them go back and do that. At the same time, we're bringing up viable candidates. Yep. That the people are already falling in love with. Falling in love will with make our national those, television. Yeah, and, and <laughs> then we'll make those people that are that are in place start thinking two and three and four and five times. Yeah, I think about it would their be position if they, you know, if that's what, now powerful. that's what you call a healthy competition. Yep, we would literally be creating a third party, and it would have the support of the American people because, you know, you see how successful these shows are. Imagine America's mm-hmm. next president, like America's top yeah. model. It would mm-hmm. be outrageous. People would love it. They'd be texting in their votes for who they want and so on and so forth, and we'd have, you know, a whole criteria of questions and scenarios that they would have to go through to pick who <laughs> is going to get eliminated and all of that. It would be fantastic. 
See, Max, let's do this. I'm serious. We write it up because you know what? The show's networks would want to pick it up because they wouldn't take it seriously, which is cool. They would just, but they would want to pick it up because this, this is a great reality, whatever. Yeah, this is I, real great, real I just interesting. Can't them not to pick it up. I, I think that that's the yeah. scary part I mentioned earlier. It has to potentially be dangerous because somebody with enough money could redirect all of that focus in any way they wanted to. So you have to be real careful. Yeah. And 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 that's the growth of it. But initially, well, what they probably do take the idea and on what you know the, the different networks would want to sell it. Hey, just sell it, give you like eighty thousand dollars for it, and just want you to like walk away. And be like, oh, nah, that's okay. We'll, 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 we'll keep some more control over this. But um. Well, if you ever decide to move forward on it, let me know. You know, uh, I threw it out in the air into the world because I know what you speak into existence can possibly come true. And you're one of those people that can make it happen. Write the vision down, make it plain. You you know. Sure. I'm not the super politics. I'm not the super politics person, but with you know, it's called the um. A treatment is what we'll yes treatment. I've been writing converted to for a while. I know the yeah the yeah the format, but um, the main thing you know what would the challenges be? What would be criteria? You know for judging, identifying, yep. write up a synopsis. I you know I think we can kind of break it all out ourselves because we don't really need you know in order to keep that kind of control. But yeah, like you talk to you, somebody like Randy Jackson, he would jump for joy with just the idea. But there's a lot of people, yeah. Millions I mean, upon millions. yeah, yeah. There are a lot of people out there. You know, you can, we can take some stuff like this to the network. They're always looking for good shows. It's just we got to write it out, then get it registered. Um, and I even know producers who will shop it. Well, give me about a week, and I'll send you what I have as a treatment so far. I've already had discussions with a number of people in private before I decided to expose this here today with you. And uh, we've come up with some criteria, and I'm sure it'll be changed over time. But at the very least, we'd have an outline. Like, yeah. one thing we don't want is a rich president. We don't want another millionaire in office. Like, there's just no reason for it. You need somebody who can relate with the average American, and a millionaire is not that person. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, um... Yeah, that that yeah, it's definitely doable. And right now is the time for certain things like this. They don't, and especially with the expectation, um, you know, there are two ways to go. You know, some people are going to definitely see the vision of this and where this could go. Oh, yeah, 2016 you know, could see the first viable yeah. third-party candidate chosen by mm-hmm. the American people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then some people will just see this as a, you know, a pulley or whatnot. But I have a lot of ideas for, you know, televisions, and I'm just writing them down. I have another one like this, and a couple of the ones may take a little bit more funding. Um, but um, that's going to take to the table where, you know, they just need a little more funding. And then uh, the other thing, too, um, like shooting a pilot. That's kind of one of the good things if we get the uh, you know a pilot shot, so the well, visual is already there. Yeah, I don't know how we could do a pilot unless we do an enactment. Maybe you know have people portraying what would go on, but you can't really shoot a pilot to a reality show beforehand. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, you do. People do it. 
Because they kind of want to, you know, nowadays, you know, you do it. You just, you know, you get a group. They're not doing it for pay. They're just doing it because they want to. But, yes, you get a group of people who want to participate serious, and and you do. Not a 13-episode pilot, but you do, um, you know, uh, two, three episodes to show how, you know, how things work, how it would run. And when you get that on video, it's much easier to sell it. Imagine a scenario like this in America's Next President, uh, if it were such a show to mm-hmm. begin with, where one of the things you did, you had a, a number of uh, contestants, and they're required to go spend three days in the, in the projects, living in the projects with somebody, just so they can get that perspective. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, excellent. And, and, then, and then bring them out and question see, them see, afterwards. See, those are the kind of things you, you come up with. Because, you know, I have a show like that I have in mind for spoken word. And, um, you know, it's just coming up with the, the, the challenges. I think that kind of stuff is great. And I think you said the next people's, the people's president. The That's people's what president it. is what it the would be. The people's president. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. The people's and, president. And he wouldn't have to worry about support because the people who uh, chose him, you know, via that show would be his supporters come the election time. Mm-hmm. The people's president. Huge numbers. I mean, American... Idol, I believe at one time had like 30 million people call in. Could you imagine what this would have? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a third of the nation would definitely be involved, at least a third. Yeah. And these are people, and it would be their job to get out and go get people to call in for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and you, you, it would be great, man. It just, you know, put them in all these different scenarios and, and, and you know, judging their character along the way until you get one final and you go, that's America's next president. The people's yeah. president. Well, Max, we I think we are way over time. <laughs> oh, I don't damn. even know. I'm wondering if the show is still recording. <laughs> I don't know. I'm but outside. this has been great. <laughs> well, Your show don't take long to charge. You sure got good time left. Oh, I'm on the home phone. <laughs> I'm on okay. the home phone. That's how I ended up oh, outside. Oh, okay. I just, okay. And uh, all righty, well, we're going to just close this out. But that's good. But, yeah, do get back, Max, you know. Hey, the worst they can tell us is a no, but these days you can shoot it yourself and well, um, honestly create your own webisode. That's well, I'll send you what I've where, got, um, but don't feel, I mean, feel free to, to do anything you want to do with this idea. I put it in your ear for a reason. So, you know, don't don't hold back from it. If you come up with something you want to add to it or if you just want to move forward with it, just go ahead and do it. I want to see it happen, to be honest with you. I think that it would make a big difference in our future. Yes, I do, too. I think it'll be really good. All right, then, Max. I'm going to speak with you and everybody on Master Grill Radio. This has been, it's been good. Main thing: stay conscious, stay aware, start doing for self. Indeed, and And stay free and stay alive. Yes. (laughs) We speak for you, peace and love. Peace. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.